calling all men. It's now your time for your show with your coach, the Men's Advocate Show with Linda Gross. Relax, be heard, and be understood. It's a show where men can be men. Now here's the coach who has your back, Linda Gross. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Men's Advocate Show with me, your host, Linda Gross. I am pumped up to tell you about today's show. We're going to be talking about fit, fulfilled, and energized. Do you need to lose 30 pounds? Do you need to relieve your back pain? Do you have lack of energy and stamina? Do you not have purpose in your life? Is your work, relationship, family triangle out of balance? Well, step right up because my guest today Jerry Kuykendall is a transformation coach, and he uses an integrative approach to solve many of these problems. And Jerry also primarily helps a male audience, just like me. <laughs> Welcome, Jerry, to the show. So good to have you here today. Thank you, Linda, for having me on. I appreciate it. Tell us how you got from point A to point B. How did you become a coach? Why is that important to you? Yeah, really, um, my life story is probably the best explanation for that. Just a brief overview for you and your listeners. I was that kid in school that couldn't climb the gym rope and always made an excuse not to go swimming with the friends. They want to take my shirt off and, and suffered a lot of adult diseases as a child from GERD. I got arthritis at a very young age, experienced depression, anxiety, PTSD, that was from my mother leaving when I was seven years old. She just up and moved to California, and that's probably a whole podcast in itself. But anyway, I just went through life just really lethargic and depressed and just unhealthy. And I kind of what, what was the excuse me? What was the yeah. distance? Was that she was you were on the East Coast and she moved to the West Coast? We were in Idaho and she moved to California. Idaho. Got it. Yeah. A long yeah. distance. It's not like you could bike there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was very cold the way she did it, but, you know, that's a different story. So, you know, my whole life I was just kind of, you know, one of these people that, that I end up talking to a lot now, a lot of prospect people that are – but they're generally in their 50s, and they've given us really any hope of feeling better and turning their situation around. And they talk to me, and they hope that there's hope, but they, they don't have a lot. And so I experienced that really young in life. And fast forward to my mid-30s, and I'm managing a grocery store, making six figures. I've got the house. I've got the retirement but still unhealthy, still not fulfilled, still not happy. And I really had to look in the mirror and say, why? Why is this? And, and uh, at the time, you know, I had arthritis in my back, neck, hips, knees, plus all the other ailments I was describing. Things just weren't getting better. And I stumbled across an institute called the Czech Institute, founded by Paul Czech, if anybody's familiar. And, and that's why I offer so many of those different services. A lot of people just niche into a certain thing, but Really, we learn about, you know, the anatomy and physiology, and we learn how that ties into mental well-being and how that ties into your ability to live in alignment and to really pursue your dreams in life. Whatever your dream is in life, you've got an aching back or poor digestion, you're not sleeping well, you don't like what you see in the mirror, all that's going to affect your ability to manifest that. So that's pretty much how I got into it, and I picked it out of the grocery management career and got right into studying everything I possibly could get my hands on. And I found within, you know, a matter of a couple of years, the arthritis went away, the depression, anxiety went away, just living with a strong sense of purpose and stuff just started happening just like that. It was like wow. quantum. Yeah, over and over again. So that just invoked a passion within me to share that with as many people as I possibly could. And I've been very fortunate to have 
amazing clients along my journey and they've taught me so much and hopefully I've taught them a couple things and it's just this wonderful thing where ability passion and purpose all kind of culminate into this Venn diagram of of my life so that's how I got into it wow that sounds awesome thank you for sharing you know sometimes our deepest pain and hurts and struggles actually turn into our mission yeah. Because if we can solve it and we know the trauma that we had to go through to solve all of that, then it's so infinitely easier to solve it for the next person and the next person and the next person. And the other cool thing is when you solve it for someone else, it re-cements what you learned. So it's like a double benefit. Both you and the user get the benefit out of it. 100%. I'm, I'm sure, sure you feel that way too. Yeah, and, you know, I'll even add to that is I think that's a big reason why, you know, I personally have experienced quantum leaps, you know, these past few years. And same with the clients I've worked with is, like you said, every experience is an experiment, right? We just live, life is a science experiment. And every time you have one of those experiments, you learn something and you learn more by teaching. And, in fact, we call that the pain teacher in, in my program, in my system. And you only see it as pain or what hurt this caused, or in other words, if you look at it as something that happened to you as opposed to what happened for you, and I know that's cliche, but it really is true. If you can find the lesson in that pain, that really shows you where you were, to use the term, vulnerable, right? That's what you weren't Mm -hmm. prepared for. That wasn't in your plan. And so it really wasn't the event that was the problem. The problem was your preparedness for anything, your willingness and ability to accept whatever outcome could possibly come up. And if something happens that was an undesirable result, you weren't being honest with yourself and factoring in all possible outcomes. And that can show you that can show you what you were unprepared for. And then it's our responsibility to prepare for it next time. And that's how we grow, right? Absolutely. By the way, my audience, if you want to hop on the call with my guest today, Jerry, who's a transformational coach, you can do so by dialing in 323 323- 642-1677-323-642-1677, or if you're too shy, hop on the chat line. I'll be watching for you uh, right here at blogtalkradio.com, blogtalkradio.com, forward slash DT Linda Gross, forward slash DT Linda Gross. So you were at the grocery store, mom left, all these things were happening to you. Was there one motivating moment that you just had like this aha moment that, ooh, I got to make a U-turn here. I got to make a sharp right and go a different direction because this ain't working for me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was October of 2016, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll never forget. I was on a fishing trip with my dad. Uh, here in Idaho, I'm in Montana, but in Idaho where I grew up, steelhead fishing is a big deal. And it's a great big draw for the community, and it's a really fun activity to participate in as well. So, you know, imagine, you know, I'm living the executive life, working 50-plus hours a week, a salaried, and drinking half gallon of vodka and 50 beers a week and <laughs> not doing anything well for myself. So, as you can imagine, I had to have something to look forward to. And that fishing trip every year was my thing to look forward to. So, that one week every year was the one time where I got to find like a state of Zen or a state of, right. And yeah. I didn't that at the time that that's what it was that I was missing. Now I know. And ironically, now you can find that at a stoplight or in the bathroom or wherever you're at. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
annual fishing trip, you know, my, my, week, my, my annual Zen trip. And um, I'm sitting there and I'm watching my dad fish and this word hits me. Like, I, I can't explain it. It wasn't like an audible here. I didn't hear it or anything. It was like a download. That's the only way I can explain it. It was like a download in my brain. And that word was suicide. Oh. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because the first thing you think is like, oh, my gosh, you know, because I, as bad off as I was, I never, my personality type isn't the type to think itself on. Like, that, I'd never thought of that. And so I immediately go to, oh, my gosh, is my, am I having a premonition? Is my dad thinking, thinking about something? And, um, you know, keep in mind at that time, I didn't have any spiritual belief whatsoever. I thought we we're just dirt, and when we die, we go to dirt, and, um, you know, and that's just the way it is. So for me to even be thinking that way was odd. So I didn't think much of it. It ha- You know, this persisted for several minutes, but nothing, nothing crazy. And um, so I got back home, and, and for some reason I was compelled to do some yoga. And I thought the yoga was because of my power lifting, right? My ego, my ego was saying, you need to be more mobile so you can lift more weight. And, uh, you know, at the time I was like five foot seven, hundred and ninety pounds, you know, not a big guy, but I wanted to get stronger. And, um, so I went through some yoga and, and I'll be darned if things didn't start changing the way I saw things, there was started, I started experiencing pauses in between, events and stimulus and my responses which were responses now and they weren't reactions Mm -hmm. Uh, so I started you know and I I was the type of person who battled a lot of anger and um, impulsivity and that type of stuff so so that was that was interesting to me I was like what whoa what is going on here and as I started doing research on on what what that could possibly be I started started stumbling across what what meditative activities and just basically balancing your autonomic nervous system really what, what getting into a state of balance does for you, which does, you know, for clarity and, and recovery and mood and energy. And that was the thing that really set the wheels in motion for me. And, and it was that fishing trip um, that really got everything going. And that download that I got from who knows where. I have my ideas, but I don't know. Well, maybe a, uh, a watching angel from above, as they say. Yeah. I've gotten those I've gotten those messages once or twice myself yep. and, and you're like, Whoa, where where on earth did that come from? So yeah. thank God you didn't take that word literally. That right. that you used it as a motivator. It certainly got your attention, which I guess it got the job done in that yeah. department. Oh, and something to add to that is as I started getting into, you know, the self development, self mastery work and 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 going inward a lot. I, uh, it hit me like, I don't know, six months, a year later. And I was like, I'm going to ask what that's about. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to see if there's an answer. So I was like, what was that about? And so I meditated hard on it and it just hit me, uh, another download. And it's the only way I can explain it guys. I, yeah. I have no, no, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, it's just like a signal. Boom. Here's your answer. And it was, it, it, the answer was you needed to kill the current version of yourself. Wow. That's so deep. It was, and then... Wow, I, that, that blew my socks off. Yeah, well, and then several months later, as we started, you know, in the Institute, as we started looking into the work of um, Dr. Carl Jung, um, that psychologist, and um, I came across him saying that in one of his, uh, I don't remember if it was an article we were reading or one of his books we were studying, but uh, he said that, something to that effect, and it just, it blew my socks off. I mean, I'm still, I still get like kind of chills when I, when I talk about it and think about it today. Um, someone who never believed in a higher power, never believed in a connection to anything bigger than themselves. And then all of a sudden 
to just be faced with whatever this was, this is what you're experiencing, and, and you better you better follow your intuition and take it seriously. I that. love that. Wow. I, I got chills when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> the definition yeah. of it is crazy. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I can just hope and pray that others hear, hear that message from above or that download yeah. or whatever you want to call it because yeah. it is it really is life-changing. Yeah. But, you know, we have to listen to it. So I yeah. was ready when, you know, the message was sent to me, and you certainly were ready. So, wow, good job on that. Love yeah. that. So when, when your mom left to California, did you stay behind with dad, or, or was there another family member involved, or how, how did that work out? Yep, yep, I stayed behind with dad, and in fact, you know, when she gave me the news um, while we were watching the Disney cartoon <laughs> in, my, in my bed, and she just gave me the news very matter-of-factly, and so, you know, being, I think I was six or seven at the time, and so, you know, with any seven-year-old kid, I said, oh, we're moving to California, and she said... She said, no, I'm moving to California. And I was wow. like, oh. And at this time, you know, my dad was busy working. Trying, you know, we had a couple of homes that he was renting out. So he was taking care of all that stuff that he possibly could. And, um, and so I didn't really know my dad at the time. And so that was really scary. It was almost like going to live with a stranger. And yeah. you know, unfortunately, my dad had his own demons. And, and, and you know, he's still, he's still battling that. And, you know, he chose to deal with his pain and his loss and, you know, in probably a suboptimal way. And, unfortunately, you know, we never really got to have a real meaningful relationship. And I really just believe that that God or the universe, whatever, whatever, you know, you and your audience, you know, however you want to term that, mm-hmm. I really believe that my plan was to be this independent maverick type to figure stuff out on their own. And uh, we look at, you know, the state of the world now, how easily we can be influenced by people that have nefarious motives. Um, I, I really, I, I thank God every day that that did happen for me, you know, because if I would have been influenced by broken people who stuck around just enough to guide me and lead me, mm-hmm. you know, I have no idea where I'd be right now. And I really, you know, I, I don't seem, see it being a good place. But the hard part in all that is to grow up so fast as a seven-year-old. Yeah. You know, you know, you're saying you're saying that your personality type is a maverick, so kind of sounds like you were raising yourself because dad really wasn't parental, or maybe he was busy working or doing other things. Yeah, a combination. Yeah, a combination of that, and um, so a big part of what I do is personality work, and and you know, I am a maverick, like I mentioned, and um, and a big part of how a maverick develops is is at some point generally in their in their younger years, they adopt the parent role over the parents as opposed to, like, identifying with the matriarch or the patriarch. And that really was, you know, my situation. And and uh, and I think it's really served me well because adopting that, you, de- you develop a, a, a stance as a protector, as a leader, as someone who's looking out for others. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't know if that was nature or nurture, why, why I developed that way, but that's just how I am. And... Um, so yeah, it naturally naturally led me into what I do now because really, when you look at like I mentioned earlier, you know where where ability, um, passion, and purpose meet. Like I think I was just hatched to to help people find their way, right? And and uh, it, it's the most fulfilling, rewarding, and really life giving 
way to make a living that I could possibly imagine for me. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, now as an adult, I kind of had a little bit of a similar situation where I was placed in adult roles at a very young age, like between age 8 and age 13. And so now what I do is I, I step out of my adult role and try to relive some just fun, crazy, childlike moments because I didn't get them when I was eight, so yeah. there's no time like today to do silly things. You know, yeah. you can't be all serious and professional and business and whatever. you got to let that inner child out once in a while. Yes, and, and in fact, um, you know, one of the biggest things that we trace people's root causes back to is what you just mentioned, is not making time to be playful, you know, mm-hmm. For some people, they need to do it daily, and for some people, it's like if you can squeeze it in once a week, make sure you do, but it all boils down to, like, at what point in your life did you get the feeling that you weren't um, allowed or expected to express yourself, and, you know, playfulness is the ultimate expression. Whatever you're going through, whatever whatever, whatever mood, whatever, whatever rhythm is going through your body at the time, that's what you're choosing to express, yeah. and, you know, it's like the shamans say, when did you stop dancing and singing in front of people or when did you stop enjoying being by yourself right and so many people I think have stories like ours Linda where at some point in their life they were forced to grow up too fast which ironically results in arrested development right and um, and like you said we just need to go back to those places where where we were fractured or stunted or stuck and just let that out revisit that let it out and play let it do its thing and no judgment. Like we're, we're just, we're just grown, you know, aging children. And as long as we maintain that playful mindset about life with a serious tone, right. As, yeah. as long as we can do that and be real about situations and have our expectations be realistic and be ready for anything. Um, there really isn't a whole lot that can get in your way, especially if you're tied into you know, what you actually need to manifest whatever it is that you were put here to do. And if you have a strong relationship with your values, I mean, if, if you know exactly when somebody says something that, that ticks you off or triggers you, mm-hmm. if you know exactly what, what was violated there, like a value, was a value violated? Or did you get in the way of something I want, right? Now, if you got in the way of something I want, is that want really something that honors my values, right? And if we can form a good relationship with that and adopt that into, integrate that into our lives, there really isn't a whole lot that can lead you astray. There isn't a boss that's going to lead you astray. There isn't a, you know, a wicked friend that's going to lead you astray. Uh, you know, the news media or whoever you're following for advice or information, you will always be able to look at that through a certain lens of your own values and your own, your own, um, your own mission statement in life. I agree with that. And I feel that the more connected we internally become with our values and morals, people just naturally don't mess with me anymore. anymore. So the more you strengthen that, the more self-confidence you have in that area, I mean, they may try, but they're not going to get very far. They're not going to get very far, are they? <laughs> so they're good skills to have. <laughs> very first time we talked, I was like, okay, she's, she's, she's real. She's real. And um, I don't know what that is really, right? I mean, we can, we can uh, say it's, you know, it's your energy, it's your aura, it's, you know, it may be even your words you use, but it's more than that. I mean, I really think we're that in tune with the human condition that we can, 
we can pick up on, on what people have to offer. Right. And I think that that is a good, um, a good segue into trusting your intuition and trusting that your soul, your spirit, your, your deep seated you, right. Your inner child, all that is tied deeply into your mission, whatever that is, whether it's stated or unstated, whether that's innate or totally conscious and forward, your soul is tied into that. And I really believe that not only your brain, but your, your, your ethereal body, your cellular body, everything is tuned into that. I really believe that. And I, re- I think that's why we've gotten a big part of why we've gotten so, you know, unhealthy, so miserable, so angry, so um, unaccepting of people that are different than us or have different values or opinions is because we're just living out of alignment in general. And not, so many people don't have an idea of what it is that's happy making for them. They know what provides pleasure, but what provides happiness and fulfillment? And how do you know if you're living in alignment? Like you say that to somebody living in alignment and people are like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Right? When really living in or out of alignment determines how fulfilled you are on a daily basis. And so in my opinion, that is, so darn important, but it's so neglected, and it's really become something that isn't a thing, as the kids would say nowadays, right? It's just not a thing. I think so many people today have let all that go. They 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 don't really have a sense of self. They don't really care. Let me just sit on the couch, drink some beer, Netflix, and chill, and they just have become a vegetable, that yeah. there's so much going on in their lives, whatever, that they've I don't know, tossed it all out the window, and they don't care. Yes. So it's a really sad state of affairs. Um, Jerry, I think we have a caller on the line. Let me uh, bridge somebody in. Hold on one sec. Okay. Caller number 6606, welcome to the show. Please state your first name and what city you're calling from. Hey, I'm Joe from Montana. Hey, Joe. Glad to have you here. We're on with my guest, uh, Jerry, today. Do you okay, have a question or cool. comment to uh, to our guest or the show topic? Nope. I just came in here uh, to find out what the, uh, what the show's about because the tagline is relationships, and I like to talk about relationships and politics. So since your show is about relationships, I called on in to find out if you're going to talk about why they fail, why they succeed, or any of the other um, issues that are involved with the relationships. So I don't know what your guest is about, but when he says something that's interesting, I'll, um, I'll chime in. <laughs> All right. That's a, that's a pretty big topic. You want to take that one, Jerry, or should I take it? Um, why do relationships fail yes. or succeed? That's a big one. Yeah, I think that ties right into what we were, what we were talking about. So um, I work primarily with men, like like you were saying, Linda. But I do have uh, quite a few couples that I work with as well. And um, biggest issue that seems to pop up is, like we said, people don't know themselves. They don't know what they value versus what they want. And so generally in a relationship, you've got two independent, sovereign human beings that create another dynamic when they come together. And so that is a different thing than each one separately, right? There's a synergy. Now, if they both are tied into their values and they're both tied into where they're going as a, as a married couple, 
or as a family or as individuals and how that marries together. Now, if that's all tied in, that's generally a very successful situation. But where it goes sideways from, from my observation and experience is when you've got a lot of guarding, you've got a lot of neediness, you've got a lot of miscommunication, misinterpretation, and that boils down to basically perceived, uh, a perceived need not being met. But when we break it down, when we actually quantify it, it very rarely ties into actual needs and usually ties into more, um, more the wants, the wants and desires. In other words, I need, I need a want to feel uh, appreciated. I need a want to feel adequate. I, want, I need a want to feel worthy. Um, I have a want to feel, um, to feel like I'm enough, right? And there's all that, and, and it's what we call in my system the false core. And whenever someone's false core is triggered, there's going to be a reaction, and it's going to be, it's going to be disproportionate to the event. And so if you've got a couple, say you have one couple that is a perfectionist, and you've got maybe the man's a perfectionist, and maybe the woman is like the martyr archetype, right? So you've got the one who's overly rigid about everything, and everything's got to be a certain way. You've got to leave on time. You've got to be there at this time. You've got to stop at this time. And you've got the other one who's the martyr archetype is like, like the type that uh, imagine, imagine you're on some sort of keto diet, and mom comes over with a plate of cookies. And you're like, mom, I'm on keto. And mom's upset that you won't eat the cookies, right? So that's like the, the person that always needs that validation. Now, if you've got those two people that have those different drivers, right, and they can have an idea of what their needs are, they can have an idea of what their values are, but if they don't know that relationship with that false core driver, right, that deep-seated thing that's underneath the self-image that, that, that was violated, which fractured us, which wounded the inner child, all that stuff, anytime that gets violated, it's going to trigger something. And if we don't know that about ourselves, then we just have this protective nature. And it's like, I'm not going anywhere until we resolve this light right here. And I see it over and over and over again. And it's just, you've got, you've got two different people that are protecting and guarding uh, against feeling this one thing they don't want to feel. So for the perfectionists, they don't want to feel like there's something wrong with them. Like there can't be something wrong with me. I didn't do it. He did it. She did it. It was them. But my stuff's perfect. Look at my here's my here's my work. I submit my work is perfect. Got mm-hmm. well, the other one. They can't ever feel like they're unloved or unappreciated. So you can imagine how those two dynamics, if they're not healthy and they're not attuned to their own self and their own situation, their own value system, how that can go sideways and over very minor things. Now you you conflate that or you you let that compound over years, decades unresolved issues, unresolved flights, miscommunications, misperceived events, misperceived intentions. Uh, and then that's where things get to the point where they're almost not reconcilable. And I, I say the root cause of that being not reconcilable is that neither one of those individuals knows themselves well enough to know what they actually need and what they actually value. They know what they want and they know what they don't want, but that's about as deep as it gets for a lot of people. I think to summarize what you're saying, Jerry, I think a lot of people are so busy in their heads and they're planning their next sentence or their next paragraph in their heads and they really are not listening to their partner. They don't have a voice for their partner. So when you're not doing active listening, of course the relationship is going to derail because it's all about me, 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 what I want, what I want. So to make the relationship work, 
just you just got to let the floodgates of communication be wide open. You might not always get each other every single conversation, and that's okay, too, as long as you're taking baby steps to get closer and closer to understanding each other. And you may not agree with what your partner wants, and that's fine, too. Some of the times you have to yield, but you know what? Some of the times she's got to yield. The thing can't be lopsided. That's another thing that I've learned is that there's got to be reciprocity. If you're in a relationship where you're always the giver and she's always the taker or vice versa, that relationship is going to fail too. So it doesn't matter where the, the two parties started. It matters what your willingness is to meet each other halfway. Yep, definitely, definitely, definitely. And I would, I would add to that that if you don't know yourself very well, then you're doing a disservice to yourself and to your partner um, because then you're putting a lot of responsibility, a lot of makeup on the partner to make up for what you're lacking that you might be able to provide for yourself. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, both, Joe, of you, both of you are, are very right. Um, both of you hit on the core issues of why relationships fail. You're talking about self-image, and you touched upon transactional analysis with the inner child. And, uh, Linda, you're talking about the willingness. that people, uh, because of their self-image, are not willing to accommodate, willing to change. Nothing's going to happen. And as your guest was talking about, if you don't know yourself, um, that's a a huge problem. But you may not even want to know yourself because, again, your self-image is at stake. If you're a perfectionist and you like being a perfectionist, you don't want to change because you're doing what you think is the right thing. Now, if the victim Amen. person loves being a victim, because that's her power, because most of the time it's women who love that victimization status, then they're not going to want to change because that's their power. They can point the, the, uh, the bony finger of recrimination at the man. So there has to be that willingness without damaging one's self-image, which to me um, is the important question of the day. How does one do that, especially when people have trauma that they're not even aware of? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. Sometimes your partner can help you heal that trauma, and sometimes you just need professional help. Um, one One of the absolute beautiful moments that I see in most of the relationships that I have had is that the other person is a mirror of my weaknesses. So, you know, as I stay with that person, um, it's my opportunity to make myself better in those areas as a hurt child that I've now carried into this relationship. So sometimes you can do that with a partner, especially if it's a safe environment. Sometimes you feel safe enough to open up and, and work out, you know, whatever that trauma was. And other times you just have to get professional help. And, you know, a few you know, a few sessions, especially with with somebody like Jerry or myself or life coaches, I mean, uh, I don't know how you work, Jerry, but for me, I get right down to the issue. They sign up with me and they say my problem is X. Sometimes the problem is X, and we we get right to it, but sometimes it's my job to peel those onion layers back and the problem really might be Z over here. So in a very quick amount of time, we can get to what those underlying issues are 
and get that lifelong roadblock out of the way. Yeah, yeah, and, and like you said, it, it's layered, it's nuanced process, and and to answer your question, sir, um, you know, it sounds like a pretty direct, like, how do I do this? And um, what what I'm hearing there is is these people, you know, these examples of these 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 two personality types have grown disintegrated because they don't know themselves. And so uh, every, every person has their own disintegrated language, their own state of being when they're disintegrated. And so it's very important to realize what it takes for you as an individual to become integrated and to remain integrated. So for me, for an example, you know, like I said, I'm a maverick personality type. So for me, where I can get really out of bounds if I start being overbearing in situations, if I start trying to, take control of things because I can really be uh, uh, interpreted as aggressive. So for me, my path to integration is to be more of the unconditional acceptance, unconditional loving, let other people take the wheel. And everybody's got their own path to get there. Everybody's got their own steps they can take to get there. But, you know, and as far as the trauma, look into that and whatever it was, like whether you do like soul fracturing type stuff or you do, uh, you know, pain timelines or whatever, whatever your, your, your method is to find out what it is that's, that's sticking around within you, you tie that into whatever it is that, that your false core is or your, your main motivation is, and you will, you will see a direct correlation between what you deemed as traumatizing in life and what you are least willing to feel and accept in your current life. So for me, I, that my big thing is not feeling like um, weak, vulnerable, powerless, out of control. So anytime I feel triggered, I can usually trace it back to that and dismantle it very easily. You know, well, that's a male trait. I'm sure you've said that in your sessions with the men who are your clients. Uh, men don't like to be vulnerable, and um, you can't blame men. And even yeah. if a person doesn't even have, yeah, uh-huh. Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah. It, I mean, it's 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 more it's more prevalent in the males, or especially. If, if being that way is part of their path to disintegration or integration, it's more natural for them to veer there. But you do see, I do see a lot of men who have that um, that uh, that trait of the martyr, of the nurturer as well. And it gets really ironic. It gets really really confusing when they're in a relationship with someone who's more of a masculine type of woman. So the roles almost get flipped. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think for me, when I'm dealing when I'm dealing with a male client, I just do everything that I can to make that person feel safe. And for a man, they cannot be wrong. (laughs) So you know, if if the coach keeps that in mind, then it all goes smoothly after that. They like their anonymity, they like their confidentiality, and they do not want to be wrong with whatever their steps are. And then it all works after that. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, yeah, yeah, but men men will accept being wrong if they're with the right partner who doesn't take a look at their vulnerability and say, oh, uh, you know, you got to you got to man up. You know, men can be wrong. And one of the reasons why men don't want to be vulnerable is because women don't accept it. In our country in particular, women are taught to be princesses. They've learned from Walt Disney. They've learned from uh, porno books, which I call them porno books, those romance novels, and they want the tall, dark, handsome rescuer. This is subliminal. Mm -hmm. This is something which is very powerful. So when a man shows that he's not exactly Hercules, okay, he's just a man, um, it it kind of 
takes away from his um, from his standing, his pedestal that the woman wants to put him on. So when men have experienced this time after time after time, men shut down, and it's reasonable. Now, you don't even have to have trauma in order to have that kind of behavior pattern. Let's say, for example, a man or a woman, they've been in three or four relationships, let's say in a row, in which it hasn't worked out. Now, people say, don't carry your baggage, and I used to be one of them, don't carry your baggage into the next relationship. Well, how can you not? If, for example, yeah. a man, I'm talking from the male perspective now, if every time the man feels he's done everything right as a gentleman, um, shown gratitude, appreciation, respect, and love, and at the point where he thinks the relationship is going well, she pulls a rug out from underneath him, okay? Now, at the point where love is supposed to be the cure, that's actually the trigger, then how can he not um, have a, you know, or, or she, how can they not have a warning and alert set up in their mind that the next time they come across somebody they really, really like and really think they're going to love, that that could be the end of the relationship? Was that a direct question? To anybody. No, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sure. It's our responsibility as men to, um, uh, as people, but particularly as men, because we are seen as, you know, the provider, the protector, and um, it's our responsibility to learn from those painful experiences and to be able to dismantle whatever it is that, whatever it is that made us feel that way, feel vulnerable, right? Uh, so what you just expressed there is, is going into a relationship with a little bit of guarded a guarded stance, you know, uh, for what you, what you realize is your vulnerability, whatever it caused her to leave. Now, you know, what I would recommend if, if this were my client, I'd recommend, you know, putting ourselves in her shoes and say, what is it that she was least afraid to feel and how often did you make her feel that way? Or did you invite her to feel that way? And that puts the responsibility on us. Now, if we didn't do anything, if she was just scared of being loved, she was scared of being safe and secure because she had an upbringing where that was never a thing for her. And there wasn't enough chaos in the relationship that could have chased her away. And so, uh, you know, we could, we could probably break this down a lot further as far as carrying your baggage in the next relationship. But as long as we let that stuff summate within us and we don't heal it and we do carry it on, it's just going to keep compiling, compounding. And so at some point, Yes, you've got to be guarded. Yes, you've got to be careful. But at some point, you've got to give this new person a chance to be who they are. We've got to be able to know who we are and know who they are, right, and be able to meet them where they're at. And that is of course, a new opportunity you know, yeah. and create a relationship. Of course you do. But when a man or a woman, they've, um, in different relationships, three or four in a row, have felt that they've done that. They've given, they actually have given, they've given love, the respect, the gratitude, the appreciation that the man wants. The man has done the same thing to his girlfriends. So the next relationship, he comes across somebody he finds very, very sexy, seems to be a very good person. It's normal, in my opinion, that if he starts to fall in love with her and she's exhibiting qualities which are very good, that's the point where he's going to be very, very guarded. Now, you're right. A man should find out exactly, um, you know, if the next woman is going to be the right woman. So how would you do that when um, the woman seems to be perfect, but all the other ones were perfect too? And at that perfect point in time, 
that's when the disappointment came. So what would you two recommend for that? I think it's perfectly normal and natural for a man to be guarded. In fact, I write in my book that you shouldn't be anything other than that for at least 90 days. So if you're having those feelings, you know, one week out, you know, the, the, there's too much of a risk factor there. And you do have to guard your heart. I wouldn't say close your heart, but I do agree that you should guard your heart during those 90 days. So the 90 days, you know, get her in different situations, get her around different people, um, different holidays, different whatever, in different circumstances, and really get to learn more and more about her personality, her morals, her standards, her ethics. I mean, yes, you're there for the party. You're there because she's sexy, of course. But you've got to dig a little bit deeper beyond just the look factor to see if there's something more there that will allow you to become vulnerable after the 90 days and take that risk. And then after the 90-day point, go ahead and take the risk. Do small risks at a time, but after that point, you've got a pretty good handle on who she is. You know, is she responding to your calls? Is she responding to your messages? Uh, does she show up on time? Does she show up when she's supposed to show up? I mean, there's a lot of consistency factors that you can make, you know, subtle points with you know, in your department. So in answer to your question, nothing wrong with being guarded at the beginning. I wouldn't have it any other way. I think guys who jump in too quickly, you know, they, they come off as needy and you're probably going to scare her away because then she's going to think you're too needy. Okay, now, I'm not talking about the initial part of a relationship or the beginning part of a relationship. I'm talking about, let me, yeah. all right, let me be more specific. You're in, you're in a two-year relationship. You've done what you've recommended and what the guest has recommended. Um, and she or he seems to be perfect. But the last okay. four relationships of your other men or other women seem to be perfect as well. They've reached that particular zenith. And at that particular time, let's say the average was two years, three years each for all of the previous relationships. That seems to be yeah. the time when the rug is pulled out. So oh, I how does a man... Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, if you're at the two-year mark and you're having these feelings, then guess what? It's not her, it's you. So my position on that is the universe will continue to give you the same message over and over and over again until you get it. So there is some lesson there that you have not learned, and that's why the relationships are failing. I don't yeah, get that. And what I'm saying, I don't, I don't get that. Uh, let's say I, mean, I find a woman. I'm with her for two years. So, so the, you know, yeah, there, 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 for two years. there might be something yeah. in the picking process, or like who you're choosing, or whatever, but. You know, at that juncture, you know her well enough. She's exhibited enough consistency to well to where you really enjoy spending time with her, right? So if they're still failing at the two, three-year mark, um, I think the universe is trying to send you a message. If you're you're not listening, you haven't learned it. Oh, okay. What would that message be? Because again, for past three relationships, for the man and the woman, they've come yeah. crashing down when they've fallen in love 
and that woman or that man has told them, let's say, I love you too. Everything seems to be right. The sex is good. Um, yeah. The way they talk to each other is very good. They, they agree on the same values. But the last three relationships, when everything seemed to be right, that's when she left. All right. So when you're in a position where you don't know what to do, my take is just do one thing different. Just do something 10% different. So, you know, at that juncture, if you're quick to say I love you or like whatever that threshold is, don't say it or delay it a little bit longer or whatever it is. Just do something a little bit different, 10% different, and you'll experience a different outcome. Yeah, I would like to add to that too. If this is a specific individual, individual real realize that if they're going after what they want, what they value. Because we can want something and we can we can want try to be what we think this, this other person wants in a relationship and eventually you know, the true colors look through it and the situation isn't what we thought it was. And so if there's mismatch of values, if there's a and um, how we see the world, or what we are our love language, right? Uh, if there's a mismatch in any of that, two or three years is going to be a, a time to be exposed and deeper to be enough of this. So if it's if it's consistently happening at the two-year mark, how long was it chronic for this person before they finally said let's let's go? And has this individual ever done any sort of exit interview with any of the past girl or boyfriends? In other words, it's like why didn't this work? that would help a lot, right? If, if, if there really was a true love bond there and it just didn't work, then there should be a, a open course of communication there where you can honestly ask that. And if this person did care about you, they probably still do care about you, uh, then they should be willing to help you find the truth for you. Now, if they're not willing or if they're not willing to have that conversation with you, then like what Linda said, what are you attracting and what are you choosing? I like that answer a lot, Jerry. So, so Joe, yeah, was, what you yeah. can do is go to back the to the previous three women, the, the women from long ago that failed you, that walked out, and ask them if they would be honest with you to say, why did you leave? I really want to know. And don't judge them for their answer. Just listen quietly and intently and see what they have to say and see if you can learn from some, learn something from that. Yeah, I happen to like that answer. Um, I suppose the uh, the women say, well, um, you were just too sexy or you were just too good. <laughs> uh, who knows? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's, you know, that's, these, you know, that's, that's my problem. I'm too sexy. You. Well, hang uh, on now. What? They may have been using you. There might have been a quality that they really, really liked about you. You know, you took them to the, the Mets game or whatever every other weekend or something. There might have been a quality that they really dug, but they didn't, they didn't dig the rest of you. And, they, you know, women are very materialistic sometimes. So the fact that they're going out to that fancy dinner or going to the Mets game or, like, whatever it is that you brought, brought to the table, they stayed at the party for that. And then once you took that away, or once you wanted to get more serious, they weren't they weren't interested. 
What if I say you were too good and the attention you gave me and the, um, the way you looked at me, all of that was good and I enjoyed it. They but... probably are lying. They're lying because otherwise they'd still be there. So in no. that case, you might, have, you might have to have somebody else ask for you. If you have a oh. male or a female best friend, have that person ask the female friend. Because if, if they're going to give you an answer like that, they're lying. Well, okay. and you're not going so to get that. the real deal. Yeah. Well, they may. They may not be lying. I mean, there are there are women who say that they're overwhelmed by being in love, and as a result, it triggers something in them that makes them run away from the true love that they feel. So they may not be yeah. lying. Yeah, but all four women are in this category. It sounds like a little too much of a coincidence. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying. Well, look, all the all the situations I've given are all hypothetical. And the yeah. all four women, um, yeah. I, don't, I, never, I never went back to four of my past relationships to ask them and have them tell me, well, you were just so good, I had to leave. I never had that. Right. Um, I'm saying it's hypothetical. But there are a lot of reasons why men and women leave. And if, so a lot mm-hmm. of it is because of selfishness, a lot of it which your guest was talking about. You don't know what it is within you that makes you do what you do within relationships to make. How about the women who stay in a, um, in a very toxic relationship, but when they have the opportunity mm-hmm. to actually be with a, uh, another guy who is very good to them, they don't want it. Why is that? Because probably there was turbulence in the uh, in her childhood, and she's used to that tur- turbulence. She's used to that bumpy ride. So if, if the relationship is too good in adulthood, it seems unnatural to her. She tries to recreate what she had in childhood. You know, until such time, those issues get healed and resolved. Mm-hmm. Well, I yeah, I happen to agree with you on that. Um, yeah. But everybody has something in their mind which they're not even aware of, which causes them to either grab on to the right person or grab on to the wrong person. So it's mm-hmm. up to professionals, okay, to find out exactly what it is and to give the right advice um, after finding out what it is. Yeah. Well, I, I feel that we're going to keep choosing the wrong person until we make ourselves be the right person. So there's and sounds the, like a, there's yeah. a little bit of healing that needs to happen here. But so even if you're the right person, you're still going to come across those who are the wrong people who are attracted to you. Well, and well then why are you choosing to... that, that mended, you know, why, why are you choosing that bird that needs the, the mended wing or whatever, however that expression goes? You know, I mean, it, well, it, it takes yeah. two of you to be in that relationship. So, like, if you're a very healthy, uh, good-minded person, then you're going to choose somebody who's like kind. You're not going to choose the men. So you certainly want to. Absolutely. But a lot of times, men and women show up with their false representative. They come with their best foot (laughs) forward. And and then after, after, what, six months or a year maybe, they may feel comfortable enough inwardly without even knowing it to show show their true selves, and then they sabotage the relationship that they wanted to be in. Yeah, there is that. 
they well, wanted to value it, and they value it. There's response value. And as long as we take our books around and we're not in touch with what we value, we're not in touch with other people's values either. We just we cater to their wants. We just have the way the world works. Now, a little bit deeper. And so, if, if you bought four used boards this row, and they all Both of you are breaking up. I can barely hear you. Uh, can you guys hear yeah. me? Because I'll call back in if it's my phone. Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. Is it Jerry? Are you walking around or something? Because I do feel right. I do feel a lot of background You too. You were breaking okay. up, and so is so is Jerry. I'll call oh, back in yeah. anyway. Oh, Joe, before you go, uh, Jerry, hold that thought one second. Um, shoot, he dropped off. Uh, Joe, if you're still out there, please contact me. I love your um, show idea. I want to talk to you more about it. If you happen to have um, IG or Facebook or can type your email address or something, your contact information for me, I will be more than happy to to set up that next show for you. I love that that, uh, book reader's idea. So, Joe, if you can still hear me. Um, type it into the chat, your email address. Are you still there? No, you're not there. Chat, type it into the chat or the Facebook, DT Linda Gross. Facebook is DT Linda Gross. Instagram is uh, Linda Gross Speaks, all one word, Linda Gross Speaks. Give me your email address and we'll set that show up. Thanks again, uh, Joe. All right, so we are back on with my guest. Um, Joe, uh, Jerry uh, Kuykendall, he is a transformational coach. We've been talking about relationship problems, why they work, why they don't work. That's not all he does. Um, so I wanted to shift gears a little bit, uh, Jerry. You're still there, right, Jerry? Yep. Yep, all right. So uh, let's talk about sometimes people come to you for health issues Maybe they're 30 pounds overweight or maybe they're somebody that, you know, we're all guilty of this. We sit at our desk too much and we're not getting the right posture, not getting up enough, not getting outside to breathe some fresh air. And so how do you integrate um, your theory on personality, purpose, and values that will help contribute to um, a good and long, uh, long-lasting health condition. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the first thing we do is is we get really in touch with why they're here. Why are you here? Why are we working together? What is it? And so we do much like we just did with Joe there. And Joe, thank you for calling. Those you had some great questions and and uh, probably really helped a lot of people um, that are going to listen to this later. So thank you. Um, but like. You know, someone someone that doesn't understand what it is that they value in life, right? And so they make choices that result in undesirable outcomes, generally in the physical manifestation, and, and that's the most obvious reminder, right, for us. Mm-hmm. And so it usually, like, comes through, like, as a message, like, I need to lose some weight or I need to get rid of this back pain. But it's like the important thing, how do we get it integrated is we get, we figure out exactly what it is that you're missing out on because of that weight or because of that back pain, because of that low energy. Right. And a lot of people have no clue as, as I'm sure you experienced similar, similar situations, Linda, a lot of people just, I haven't thought about that. Right. And then, but we get down to that. And then once we figure it out, it's like, okay, here's our mission right here. 
right? Here's our mission. This is your, this is what you value in life. We've got it written down on paper. Here are your values. And then next, let's figure out what your needs are and how fulfilled you are. So we're going to see how, how often you're honoring your core values, how often or how, how, uh, how well your needs are being met, and mm-hmm. then from there, bury that with your big dream, your big goal, right, which you said is weight loss or you said is vaccine, whatever the case may be, because that's preventing you from playing with the grandkids or uh, playing city league softball, basketball, volleyball, whatever the case may be. I've got some pro MMA fighters, right? And this creeps into their game as well. And, um, and so once we're able to figure that out and figure out what their personality type is, what their core motivations are, what their biggest fears in life are, and then we can see this is how this has affected you. And this is the strategies that you've incorporated to work around, like, facing that in your life, right? Mm-hmm. It's chasing your big dream, tracing your purpose, manifesting your destiny. And then from there, you can paint a big-picture vision of how the lethargy, the lack of emotional and mental resiliency, the lack of knowing and, and being attuned to yourself, how that has affected you greatly. And then from there, it's just putting the pieces in place, whatever piece that is for that individual. Some people come all really squared away, and they just don't really know the big picture part, right? They've got the daily habits. They've got, uh, they've got uh, non-negotiable core values. They've got all that stuff in place, but they don't really know where they're going or why. And so it's different for each individual, but to answer your question, wrap it all up in a nutshell, it's what is it that you want to achieve in life and why? Is that, a tie, is that tied to a want or a value? And then from there, what is in your way from accomplishing that right now? And then we form a, a plan. It's usually, it's usually three, six, nine-month plan, depending on where you're at, how far away you are from, from where you want to be. In other words, how big is your story gap? Mm-hmm. And, uh, we work to close that story gap. And for some people, it's a three-month process. For some people, it's a 12-month process. But we get there. Right. I get it. You know, I, I think much like Joe's question, you know, how is it that you get four relationships right in a row and all four of them are are saying goodbye at the two-year mark? You know, it's, it's a call. It's a call for help. And I think health issues are also a call. Um, okay. You know, it might start off with, oh, I get an occasional headache here and there, or I have a, you know, sleepless night or insomnia, I can't get to bed. But it might start off easy like that, and it might work itself up. You know, it didn't get your attention with those small little things. So now it's going to go to the bigger, bigger things like back pain or maybe it gets to a chronic illness stage or maybe, God forbid, something even worse. These are all calls for, dude, you got to do something different, whether it's with the girl, maybe it's the picking process or the healing process, one of the two. Same thing with your body. Your body is trying to call out for help. It's not liking it. I mean, I know I'm guilty of sitting at my desk too often. I have to, like, create an alarm to say, all right, get up, stand up, walk around, go outside, yep. um, stop making excuses. This, this week in Los Angeles, we've got horrible heat. It's triple-digit heat. And so I just, um, you know, got up and out the door at 7 in the morning because I knew that if I waited longer in the day, it just wasn't going to happen. It was just yep. going to be, be too hot. And, um, you know, for me, I'm, you know, I'm a gym rat too. I love working out. I love weight training. And to me, I do it because it refreshes my brain. It just empties my brain. I am such a thinker, nonstop, 
24-7 thinker, but when I'm working out, I don't care about anything else. You know, I'm focused on that weight. I'm focused on lifting or whatever, and it, it just hits the refresh button for me. So for those of you who are sitting on the couch doing nothing, you know, you need to learn new tricks. It's, it, there's a whole well, here's, world here's out there. Ah, yeah. you're back. Wait, wait, before you go away, I don't know if you heard me yeah. on the uh, the book topic. I love that topic. So can you please write to me? Do you have Facebook or Instagram or something? I'm not on any of social media, no. And I don't um, I don't contact people on Blog Talk Radio off the year because too many trolls. <laughs> they uh, they like to no, take advantage of the uh, But I, I want to thing. set up that I want to set up that book meeting, but I want you to be part of that meeting. So there's no point in me bringing, you know, some of my former readers on if you're not there. I want you to be there so you can ask specific questions and do a Q&A and whatever. So how do we make well, that happen? Well, when, when are you going to have it? Do you, are, you, are you thinking about putting it on your show for next week or two weeks from now? Yeah, give me a little time. i got to gather, you know, some of those um some of those people who have already read the book. By the way, my audio book okay. is coming out real soon. It's coming out. But I need some way to communicate. How can I? I'll communicate with you. I'll go. Or? You have a show every week on Wednesdays, I presume. I'll just call in to find out how the progress is. And then you can tell me. And then when you say, well, well I'm going to have. Day, but uh, then you're not, yeah, if I pick a day, you might not be available on that day. So, you know, I'm. I'm going to do my part and arrange the readers, so I need you to do your part and show up. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, like I'm saying, I'll call in to find out yeah. when you're going to arrange it. If you're going to have on a – if you're going to have – it doesn't matter what day it is. And regardless of whether we communicate by email or not, I still may not, um, you know, have the time to be available anyway, right? So it doesn't matter about how right. you communicate. What matters is, is do okay. I have the time and do you and your readers have the time to get together? And we can agree upon a time, and then when we agree upon a time, I'll be there. So if you, t- if you tell me two weeks from now that, that, hey, Joe, I'm going to have a meeting with my, uh, my book club a week from now, which means three weeks from now, how would you like to be yeah. there? And I'll say, okay, is it going to be on your show? You say yes. I'll say, I'll put it down on my schedule. I'll definitely show up three weeks from now on your show. Okay, so let's let's just pick the date then. How about September twenty first at three p.m. Pacific? September twenty first, three p.m. Yeah. Okay. So right now I can say I don't have anything that takes priority over that. <laughs> so yeah. let me write it down. Okay. So that's going to be what your show here on Block Talk Radio, right? Here on Block Talk Radio, yeah. I mean, I need a little time to get. Yes, I I don't know what time zone you're in. Are are you in? uh, I always go by Eastern Standard Time. I go by Eastern Standard Time because that's how Block Talk Radio operates. They always go by Eastern Standard Time. I don't. Yeah, I I don't translate. I say it like. (laughs) I say it like that too. So 3 p.m. Pacific would be 6 p.m. Eastern. Okay, 6 p.m. Okay, now 6 p.m. is good. Eastern time, you're saying, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So September, all right, 9-21-22, Linda Show. Are you going to be talking about that book about how to, how men can connect with any woman? I like that. That's uh, right. I like that premise. That's okay, right. Okay, good. Yeah. 
All right. So bring your questions. Show up. If for right. some reason you can't do it, let me know because I, you know, I'll be lining up other guests who have read the book. So you know, I don't want to let them down. So I'll consider yeah, not a confirmed unless it's you tell me otherwise. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and you have my, you have my, yeah. I'll um, I'll come back to you next week and the week after and find out what the progress is like. I also was going Sounds to say. This is what I recommend. I recommend to people yeah. when they're about to get into a relationship, you take out a piece of paper and you write yeah. out on the piece of paper very, very objectively, not subjectively, but cold and calculated what you like about each other, what you don't like about each other. Now, mm-hmm. I recommend this when you're about to enter the relationship and you think it's going to be serious. So when you do that, then you also say, these are my deal breakers, my non-negotiables. You break this, we're done. And then I also say, introduce a situation in which people, you and your girlfriend or you and your boyfriend, might get involved in that might cause a controversy. For example, woman's coming home, 2 o'clock in the morning, her car breaks down. She wants to call her boyfriend at 2 o'clock in the morning to have him come out to fix the car. Should he or should he not do it? What kind of relationship do they have in which the woman will feel he should come out? And what kind of relationship do they have in which he feels call AAA? So those kind of situations will bring up a nice discussion. <laughs> so yeah, I like I'm those not questions. a... Um, yeah. So, I'm I, not a relationship I think, counselor. I just talk to people wanna, all the time about relationships. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, No, I like those questions a lot. I can't believe that these girls are walking out on you with questions like that. Really great I'm not, questions. No, no. Everything I, wanna, I gave you was a I wanna, hypothetical. I didn't talk about my problems. I didn't talk about my problems on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I want to put your questions on hold because I want to uh, spotlight my guest here, but Definitely, sure. uh, you know, call, call in again uh, next week, and we'll continue this further. But thanks again for okay. calling back. And if you have, if you figure out some kind of way to email me or leave me your contact information, that would be better. But you know, whatever you want to do. Okay, I'll call. I'll call okay. into your show next week to find out what the progress is like. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, Joe. Okay. <laughs> sure. Okay. Good, good. good night, Linda. Good night, Jerry. <laughs> Good night, Joe. If you're ever in Missoula, look me up, bud. I'm not on social media. Facebook, Twitter, the rest of them. No, he's saying the town. Uh, good night. Missoula. The town. Oh, Missoula? Oh, okay. Yeah. If I'm ever in Missoula. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Good Take night, care. Joe. Good night. All right. Say bye. Uh, Joe's a good guy. I like Joe. Yeah, I like uh, Joe, too, but... He's taking the whole the whole show here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to focus a little bit more on you, but oh. all, all good. See, I knew he was from New York. I could tell from the, the accent, right? Yeah. All righty. Where were we? We were talking about, you know, I, I we were talking about health issues, and I yeah. think that much like per, much like relationships, you know, your body is trying to get your attention. And that's when it starts off small with, hey, here I am, I've got this headache going on or the insomnia going on or whatever, and it keeps building and building and building because the person is just not listening, you know. So I think it's 
a call for help, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's been definitely something that, <clears throat> that I've noticed, and that is that we don't, we don't pay uh, enough credence to symptoms. In other words, we think of symptoms as just, oh, it's a minor, it's the start of things. But by the time your body gets to symptoms, and same with relationships, right? Like someone leaving is just a symptom of, of a root cause. And how long was it festering before the symptoms came up, right? Yeah. And same in your body. Like your body's done everything it can to try to get rid of whatever it is that's disrupting um, its natural flow. And so by the time that a symptom develops, it's pretty much like, hey, we need some conscious effort here. Uh, the autonomic nervous system is not going to handle this, so we need you to do something and pay attention. And unfortunately, we've been um, more or less, I guess, programmed that when I have a headache, I take aspirin. When this happens, I go to the doctor. When I start getting these symptoms, I go to the doctor, you know, and, and you know, it's like now we've gotten to the point where we're getting antibiotics for everything. We're taking antibiotics several times a year for multiple different things. And you wouldn't get the antibiotics if you didn't run to the doctor every time you got a little symptom instead of looking at what caused that. And mm -hmm. I, I, very powerful when people learn to trace their symptoms back to their behavior, tracing their behavior back to a thought, right, or a feeling. Right. Sometimes it really is relating to a thought or yeah. a couple of words. You know, they call that neuro-linguistic neuro programming yeah. where yeah. the power of the word that, you know, you don't think it's a big deal, whatever those few words are, but it it yeah, woo, they could be very powerful and end up, you know, in very serious health conditions. Yes, yes, yes. And then you combine that with like somatic storage, right? And uh, now you've got the NLP combined with the somatic storage, and it creates this wonderful communication mechanism fr from your body to you. Yeah. And how else would you design it? You know, if you were God, what would you do? Well, that's exactly what I would do. Not, not I probably wouldn't have thought of it, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> but yeah. uh, but unfortunately, we don't take that and look into it, just like with pain, right? Just like with pain. We, we don't receive the messages. We, we go, oh, darn, this happened to me. You know, oh, I've got, I'm constipated again. I've got heartburn again. My skin's breaking out again, right? My joints are achy again, right? And as opposed to going, okay, well, what choices am I making? And uh, am I making choices that are out of line with me living in alignment? And if so, why? Right, and unfortunately, Western medicine doesn't help us at all either because no. they also want to take the easy route. They just yeah. want to throw pills at you or do surgery without really stemming where is this illness, where is this discomfort coming from, and how do we prevent it in the future? So, you know, we used to operate like that hundreds, of, maybe a couple of hundred years ago, medical profession doesn't operate like that anymore. So no. you got to be your own best advocate. You know, yeah. do, I always say try to do the natural route until such time that you've run out of options. Yeah, and, and the easiest way to do it, like we can, we can sit there and not, believe, not trust our intuition and not, not believe in our ability to autocorrect and to heal ourselves, you know, because we're not doctors or we're not scientists, but you really got to ask yourself, it's, it's really as simple as this, is like where am I living like, you know, pardon the term, but an idiot. When am, where am I living like a dipshit? Where am I doing stuff that I know is completely out of bounds? Start there. Mm -hmm. Start there. Make, like you said earlier, the 10% rule, right? Do, or, or do one thing different. Right. And that, like, 
anybody that heard that and just glossed over it, please revisit that. Like, if you need to re-listen to this and listen to Linda talk about that, it's those that one little change that you make and paying attention to the effects of that one little change that starts the wheels in motion for you to be able to really master yourself. And once you learn to trace that stuff back and autocorrect, you can apply that to back pain. You can apply that to just about anything in your life. You can really apply that. Um, you know, low-grade mental and, and emotional, um, you know, descriptions. Uh, obviously, if, if, it's, if it's gotten to the point of, of a serious pathology, you want to go see a, a professional for that. But these minor things we can source and we can dismantle before it gets to that, that stage. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so kindly for saying that. But, yeah, when I know when I'm at a complete loss and I'm at a dead end, I find that just do one thing different because, yeah. you know, the input that you put in, it'll create a new result. Yeah. And that's maybe that's all you need. That's all you that's need. That's all you need. <laughs> and that's you can dominate, right? Like, give me something. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's going to be poignant. It's going to be effective. And it's going to be super succinct and super simple to follow. Yeah. One win at a Yeah. Um, we're at the about at the one one hour mark. I had two more questions. If you have like three four minutes Absolutely. more, Absolutely. okay, um, great. We'll just dive into those last couple of questions and then we'll wrap it up from there. So you had a comment on your site and it said, um, if you want to be happy, stay away from normal. Yeah. Tell the audience what you mean by that. Yeah, so what, what that means is, is we live in a world that isn't set up for us to be healthy and happy. We're set up to be, if you look at the worst-case scenario, the worst-case interpretation of it, really slaves to the system. Yeah. And you can take advantage of that as far as calling your own shot and carving your own way in life, or you can just go about life mindlessly reacting to things, and then you'll just end up where you end up. And so the normal course of action is for people not to talk about serious topics, not to think too deeply about things, um, not to uh, say things that might be politically incorrect. And unfortunately, that's got us in a, in a situation where we're um, not very well equipped for the world that we've created. And so to be normal, that means, that means when you go to an office function and they bring donuts, cookies, uh, croissant sandwiches, you know, from, from crappy sources, the normal thing to do is to sit down and eat that. Or the normal thing to do is to go out with breakfast, to breakfast with your friends and just order what's on the menu. Right. right? As a thing. I'll take two poached eggs, uh, you know, maybe a slice of, of steak and an ice water. Right? So that's what I mean by that. You've got, to be, you've got to be your own person. You've got to be tied into your own values and your own mission in life. And anything that's standing in your way of that is not going to be something you're going to participate in. And that is completely abnormal in this world. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. You've got you've got to be your own person. You've got to stay true to who you are. Don't don't be a sheep. Don't follow the crowd. Yes. Just because everybody else in the lunchroom is eating those blocks of donuts doesn't mean that that has to be you. Amen. So I, I know you want to socialize and whatever and try to figure out a way to socialize without the box of donuts. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> it is. Or find a different environment. Maybe, you know, go after work or something or go for coffee before work with the with your coworker or whatever it is. Yep. Just do it a little bit out of the norm. Hey, yep, absolutely. Amen. Live with intention. Live yeah. with intention. 
All right, last question. I really liked this hack that you had. You asked four questions, like when, you, when the user comes to a roadblock and they really don't know what to do, and your advice was, um, first of all, ask the question, for example, do I need this job? And then ask if the opposite of the question is true. Maybe I don't need this job. And then if, if number three is if the opposite is not true, then you ask, well, what else could be true? And then question four is the what if question is, like, if I leave this job, will I be fine? So talk about a little bit of summarize that four-step question for roadblocks. And, you know, I'm just saying the job thing because you did. But, you know, you could apply this to, I don't know, your living situation. you got a horrible apartment neighbor next door that's driving you crazy. They're playing the drums at 3 a.m. Or it could be applying to a relative that you can't stand to see yeah. at, the, at the annual picnic in summer. Like, whatever <laughs> it is, I think you can apply these four questions and see if you can find yourself out of that corner. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was just a little thought exercise I came up with, really to try to get people to understand how a lot of the beliefs that they operate under, you know, we have certain beliefs, core beliefs, that really influence a lot of, I mean, we're talking three or four base beliefs or base perspectives that really guide us through our day and through our life. And a lot of those are imparted on us, right? They're programmed on us. Um, for me, growing up, you know, there was a saying around my house, which is there are the haves and the have-nots, and we're the have-nots. Mm-hmm. And it took me 35 years to dismantle that, right, mm-hmm. to realize that had on me. And so by people, you could, you could ask them, you could point blank them and say, well, is it possible that, you know, you could quit this job and go find something even better and, and you'd be even happier than you are now, even though you're not happy, right? Mm-hmm. And they will tell you – and fully believe it. No, that's not possible. And so that's why I came up with it. And so it's like, okay, fine. If that's not possible, then what else is true? What else is true about this situation? Because we're hyper-focused on a certain thing, right, that probably is triggering our fears and maybe our shame and our guilt and a combination of all of those. But we've got to keep moving the target, so to speak, right, to incite our own creative ability and tap into our intuition as well. So I found those very effective because they, they really force an individual to snap out of whatever current mode of thinking they're in about this topic. So if I believe that I can't leave this job, well, you're not moving me off that rock. This is a belief I've formed. Okay, cool. Well, what else is true? Well, you know, there's X many X number of positions in the country that are looking for someone just like me, right? And so you'll be able to, you form the thesis, which is your personal myth, which is I can't leave this job. And then you bring up the hypothetical antithesis to that, Right, And then somewhere along the lines of doing the work, you're able to form a synthesis of those two. And that's really what the drill is for. And, and it's very effective. And like you said, you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to anything. It could be something situational that you need to decide on right now, or it could be big picture. It could be totally life-altering and life-affecting. The cool thing about our thoughts is whatever we believe, it's the truth. That's, yeah. that's our truth. Yes. And fancy this. If we decide to, uh, like I said, 10% step out of the way, do something a little bit different, 
that'll become our new reality. I mean, it's, it's magic. You know, they call it, you know, law of attraction or whatever. Yep. But if you believe something, if you believe that the girl will always leave at the two-year mark, then she will. That's how it works. If I buy four Fords in a row and they all have between 80 and 100,000 miles and they all break down, right, at the two- or three-year mark, 150 to 180,000 miles, like they all break down somewhere in there, like um, – then some way, shape, or form, we're going to make sure that we get 150 to 180,000 miles on that before the, before the three-year mark is up. It's just what we do. You know, it's that, and that's how powerful our programming is. Now, that's just one example we use of a job, right? That is big-picture, life-altering, life-changing example. But that is the power of those program beliefs, and that is the beauty of it, too, because that's the same mechanism that you use to reverse it, right? right? Like Dr. Bruce Lipton talks about in biology of belief, where like whatever you program into the mind, the mind sends the message to every cell in your body. And when you're sleeping, when you're awake, when you're conscious, when you're unconscious, when you're when you're dancing in your subconscious or dancing in your in your conscious, that is what is in play. That is the mission that you've given the brain, which is the mission that your brain gives your or I see your soul really. You give that mission to your soul, and the soul right. invokes the brain and the physiological mechanisms, and that is another reason why it's so important to stay healthy, vital, and energized because achieving anything in life takes a lot of freaking energy, which is why so many people don't do it. Agreed. All right, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. I really value your friendship. I'm sure we'll be crossing paths many, many times in the near future. And uh, enjoyed having you here, and I hope to see you again real soon. Yeah, absolutely, you will, and uh, I, I thank you for the advice. Uh, oh, let me give you give a shout-out to your uh, sites here. You can uh, reach Jerry. He's at biohackingtruth.com, just like it sounds, biohackingtruth.com. You don't have to memorize it, my audience. It's already in the links. You could just click on my social media links. It's in there. Also, Jerry wants to give a special offer. He's got an anti-inflammatory and an autoimmune-friendly cookbook that he's offering for a special price. All you have to do is type in code LINDA and get the special price of $7.99, right? Yep, yep. Just email me, jerry at biohackingtruth.com, and all you have to put, put it in the subject or put it in the, put it in the body of the message, LINDA and I will get you that special offer. And you've got another offer coming up in October, about a month from now, and that's on weight loss and stress reduction. So, again, all those three things, you can email him, jerry, at biohackingtruth.com. All right? Okay. All right. Thanks again, Jerry, for joining our show, and we'll be in touch real soon. I appreciate the invite. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you again, Jerry, and we'll talk again soon. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay, my audience, if you happen to have missed last week's show, we were talking about are you guilty of attracting a gold digger? So there are some common male habits that do attract gold diggers. While this might not be the outcome that you're going for, we're taking a really hard look at what you are drawing into your world. So if you want to listen to that show, you can do so right here on Blog Talk Radio, or you can uh, visit some of my other platforms, um, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, and we are now on Spotify, or 
If you're not on any of those platforms, just type it into your search engine, the Men's Advocate Show, the Men's Advocate Show, and hopefully it'll come up on your platform, right? Okay, and let's see what else do we have here. I think that's all the all the business that we're going to talk about right now. <clears throat> I want to thank you for joining our show today. Thank you for thank you Joe for calling in. He wants me to set up a show, which hopefully I'm going to set it up by uh, September 21st, and it's going to be some of my former uh, readers of my book. <clears throat> and the timing will be good because my audio book is coming out in the next few weeks, The Science of Mastering Women, The Science of Mastering Women, The Real Truth About Women That Will Change Your Life Forever. So I know you've, you guys have been begging for the audio version, and it's coming real soon. So I'll, I'll launch that and let you, let you guys know as soon as that's available. All right. Thanks again so much for joining us. We will see you next, uh, next week right here on Blog Talk Radio. And bye for now from the Men's Advocate Show.